Thanks for joining us through the Crossbridge Podcast. We hope this message speaks to you wherever you may be on your spiritual journey and helps you take your next step of growth in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Crossbridge or to speak with one of our ministry team members, please visit crossbridge.church. Good evening. Great to be with you. Uh, It's a privilege to be here. I know they got that little clock on me, but I'm going to talk to you about a few things before I actually get to my time. All right. So, is that all right? So, uh, really privileged to be here. Uh, I love coming to Crossbridge. It's been just such a blessing uh, for me and Kim to have had all the different opportunities that we've been here. I've been with you a few times on a service like this, and then I've been here like multiplied other times um, with uh, meeting the search team and working on the, the transition. So, uh, a couple things. First of all, thank you for hosting uh, the Northwestern Illinois District Assembly. Uh, It was a great uh, Friday night and Saturday. I know you worked days and hours and maybe weeks in getting ready for that. So thank you, Crossbridge, for hosting. Our district loved being here. Uh, You know, one of the things about it is that uh, you know, we, ha- we have uh, different sized churches. We have all kind of different ministry settings. And so, uh, you know, a lot of our churches, they don't, they don't have the kind of music that Crossbridge has every week. Uh, they don't have that camaraderie that's going on there. And so being able to come here and to bring our whole district together, it was just fantastic. So thank you so much. You just, uh, you really did a great kingdom investment in so many other churches and ministers uh, by offering your your building and uh, your team and all the volunteers that serve. So uh, uh, thank you uh, so much for that. Uh, I, I wanted to say uh, as well, uh, I hadn't been here since uh, the day we voted. Uh, so, you know, I had a little happy dance in my car on the way home that afternoon uh, because uh, I didn't get to share it with you, but uh, I'm so thankful for a unanimous vote uh, that we had. That is really fantastic. Una- yeah, just really great. Celebrated with uh, not only unanimous with our search team, with the church board, and uh, in, in your voting and all the different settings that we had. So thank you so much. Thanks for how you have responded to uh Keith and Reagan Schubert, uh, they are just, uh, we've become great friends. I value that so much. They are such a great fit here. And uh, I'm just really thankful for how this, how this whole process uh, has unfolded. Uh, I'll just say one more thing. Uh, I love Kevin Sarah Hancock. Uh, man, I'm sad. Uh, so um, congratulations. Uh, I know you've been talking to me for a while, and uh, so I know that God's leading your life, and we are happy about that, but sure sad to see you leave Crossbridge and leave our district, and uh, you've been a great support and help, worked on our board of ministry, so so many ways uh, that you and I have been friends and that you've served beyond even your role here, so uh, thank you, Kevin, and God bless you both in your uh, in your new assignment. So, um, Charles Spurgeon, great old preacher uh, from years ago, said every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. 
That's pretty strong language for the message that he was trying to proclaim because, you know, most modern Christians think of a missionary as somebody that leaves and goes somewhere else to present the gospel in some faraway place. Uh, You know, according to that kind of definition, missionaries are like the chosen few who give up everything to go and serve God. And then they come back once in a while we have Mission Sunday and they show some slides and tell us what they've been doing, right? To be a missionary, though, is not the job for a professional, but it's part of the very identity of Jesus' followers. And so I'm thinking tonight about how do we as just average believers living our lives... How do we live on mission every day? Jesus said this, In the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. John 17, 18. And maybe one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. In the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 24, it says, The most important thing is that I complete my mission. The work that the Lord Jesus gave me. See, God is at work in the world. And he wants you to join him in his work. The assignment that you are given is called your mission. Now that's different than a ministry. We talk about having a ministry. But the contrast between ministry and mission is that ministry is really your service through the body of Christ. You're, you're serving others. Mission, though, is your mission to reach unbelievers in the world around us. Your life mission is shared and specific. You know, there's a sense in which all of us have the same mission. Every one of us is called as a Christian. But yet, your assignment can be very unique. You know, I'm not going to run into the same people that you run into. I'm not going to run in the same circles that you're going to be a part of. You know, the idea of mission, our English word mission, comes from a Latin word that means sending. So being a Christian includes being sent into our world, not somewhere across the world like the Senecas, but knowing that you are sent out of this room tonight to be on mission for Christ. Jesus really understood that, didn't he? Remember when he was 12 years old, the Bible tells us, he said, I must be about my father's business. And then years later on a cross at 33, he says, it is finished. What was the it? The it was the mission that he was given. So the mission that Jesus had while he was on the earth is now our mission as a part of the body of Christ. Uh, What he did in his physical body, we continue to do not only in our bodies, but spiritually as the people of God. So what is that mission? It's living out an example and exemplifying what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ introducing people to God. The Bible says that Christ changed us from enemies into friends and gave us the task of making others his friends also, reconciling those to Christ. So God, you know this, he wants to redeem the whole world from Satan. 
from all the sinful ways around us. He wants us to become like Him, to serve Him, to tell others about Him. Now, we're going to talk about Acts, but I wanted to give you a few kind of mission principles that'll help us understand what we're going to talk about in Acts. Uh, First of all, notice that Jesus commands us to continue his mission. Jesus commands us to continue. He calls us not only to come to him in salvation, but also to go for him. See, your mission is so uh, important. We, we We can see it in the scripture. Uh, where he's reminding us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them to do everything I have told you. You know what we call that? We call that the Great Commission. It's not just a commission, it's the Great Commission. It's not the Great Suggestion, it's a Great Commission. And your mission is mandatory. It's not my, that's not my choice. It's his choice. It's not optional. As part of God's family, we are on mission for him. So you might not be aware, but Jesus has made you, commissioned you to be responsible for the lost people that you come into contact with in your life. That's a pretty powerful commission from him. Uh, Another thing I noticed about mission is that your mission is a great privilege, a great privilege. So even though it's a big responsibility, it's our privilege. Paul said, God has given us the privilege of urging, urging everyone to come into his favor and to be reconciled to him. So your, your mission involves really two great privileges, working with God and representing him to the people around us. The Bible calls it being co-laborers with God. That's pretty awesome. Another thing, your mission is the greatest thing that you can do for the people and the people that are around you in your life. I mean, if your neighbor has cancer or had AIDS or some other bad situation physically, and if you knew the cure, it would be a crime for you not to tell them what the cure was, right? That would be terrible. Well, we have the greatest news in the world, sharing this greatest kindness of God to everyone. You know, one problem that we have as believers in the church is we sometimes forget how hopeless we were without him. You have to remember and reflect on who you used to be so that you can be reminded of where people are that you come into contact with them. Not that we come in judgment or shame, but to recognize that they need the same Jesus that we need to turn their lives around. You know, your mission, next, it has eternal significance. I mean, it's going to impact the, the destiny of people in, in their life. You know, the consequence of your mission is going to last forever. Here, here's what I believe. Nothing else that you will ever do will matter as much as the people that you encourage and help to come to know Christ because it's going to change their life for eternity. And your mission, it gives you meaning. It gives your life meaning. 
the, the author, William James, he said, the best use of my life is to spend it for something that's going to outlast me. I like that. The truth is that the kingdom of God is the only thing that's going to last. Your bank account, you know, some other things personally about your life, they're not going to last forever. But the kingdom of God lasts for all eternity. Everything else will vanish. And so we give ourselves to something that's going to last forever. You know, you weren't placed on the earth just to... Um, just to live for yourself. God wanted you to participate with him. I mean, it gives me chills when I say that every time. Uh, whenever you seek uh, to work with God, it's like an invitation uh, to join him in the work. You know, there's a lot of talk in certain circles about uh, the second coming of Jesus and the end of the world. And when is he, you know, we believe he's coming back, don't we? Right. Yeah, we believe that, that he's going to return. You know, the disciples, uh, near the end of the time when Jesus was getting ready to leave the earth, they wanted to talk about when he was coming back. You remember that? They're having this little conversation, and the disciples ask him questions, and his response is really revealing. He said, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, you notice right there is that when the disciples wanted to talk about prophecy and when he was going to come back, Jesus changed the subject. He didn't want to talk about prophecy. He wanted to talk about evangelism. Like, what are you going to do in Ottawa and in Peru? And what are you going to do in the, the, the outstretched cities around you? And what are you going to do in Illinois? And what are you going to do in the United States and across the world? He said, don't worry about when I'm coming back. You just be ready. And then go out and impact the lives of people around you that they would come to know me. So God blesses. God blesses our lives when we are dedicated to his kingdom. Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. So fulfilling our mission is really his challenge, his call to us. So we're in this series on Acts and I know you started and uh, Acts 1 through 5 and then um, so uh, my topic was Acts 6 through 10. Um, yeah, I thought, am I going to preach that whole section? Yeah. Um, so I, I got looking at, at all that. And um, so uh, we're going to look together at a section in Acts 8. But just, just a little overview. Uh, Acts 6 through 10 are examples to us from individuals. In my mind, ordinary individuals that decided to follow Christ and how Christ working through them changed how they experienced the kingdom work that he was called. So you got a guy named Stephen. So Stephen is talked about in Acts 6 and 7. And you remember, we meet Stephen because the widows were having trouble. They weren't being cared for quite right. And so Stephen gathers, I call them the Magnificent Seven. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? Uh, you know, but they were helping to feed the widows so that the apostles could be able to focus on the word and prayer. And so Stephen is just a great church volunteer. Don't you love that? Yeah. He just came along and he is trying to, to help and support uh, what is happening with the widows. And so uh, we hear his story and he's, he's just really got it all together.
together. Uh, we meet Philip in chapter 8. First, we meet him in conversation with the kind of the hated Samaritans, uh, and then we, we meet him in the scripture we're going to look at in just a moment. Chapter 9 is the conversion of the Apostle Paul, and we see his story unfold for us. And finally, uh, Peter, really one of the heroes of the moment there, uh, begins to have this moment of realizing the expansion of the kingdom as he sees Cornelius uh, come to him. So as you're studying in your devotional book, pay attention to all those personalities and how these average men and women became such an impact on the kingdom of God. Because here's the secret. You're that same average man or woman that God wants to work in his kingdom through you. So our scripture is Acts chapter 8, uh, verse 26 to 40. It's a little bit lengthy, uh, but I want you to hear this story. Verse 26, chapter 8 says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot. Can you see it? It's so visual, isn't it? He ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please. Who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's some water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Do you believe in divine appointments? I mean, this story serves as such a great reminder that divine appointments happen in our lives where God puts us in places so that he can use us, so that he can speak through us. But, you know, divine appointments mean you got to be paying attention. You got to have some attention on what's happening, whether you're going to the coffee shop, you're at the grocery store, you're at a restaurant, you're shopping at Walmart, you're coaching soccer or third base or talking to a person on the airplane or dialoguing with some new person that's moved into uh, the community. We have to be prepared if God is so willing to use us and to put us in those moments. 
The Lord of all the earth is offering salvation. And so often he uses ordinary conversations through Christians just like you and me. That he will use us to share the good news. I know you thought it was the preacher's job. That's not what the Bible says. So in this passage, you get this illustration of how God's saving grace to people that were even outside of Philip's uh, kind of circle. Um, here in this scripture, I noticed that there's like two expressions of the goodness of God, kind of a double goodness right here. The fact, the first thing you notice is that, uh, that we have the blessing of the scriptures that are available to us. And the second one is God gives somebody to explain the scriptures to us. So it's wonderful to see that God has provided a scripture that this Ethiopian could read. That's so exciting. Uh, aren't you glad you have a Bible? Aren't you glad? That, I mean, even today, man, you can just well, work it out on your phone and have it with you and read the word of God. We are so privileged that the Bible is so accessible to us. And aren't we glad that we have people to explain it to us? We have teachers, we have preachers, we have people uh, to encourage us as well. You know, some, I've been busy all weekend doing assembly and all that. Somebody said, you're going to be tired. And I said, I'm not tired, man. I get to preach the word uh, and do it together. So come with such energy. So passages like this remind us um, that Jesus is encouraging us to recognize that he wants to use us uh, in these situations. So here's what's happening. This Ethiopian, um, you know, Ethiopia in this time would have been like considered the end of the earth. The Greeks and the Romans just thought it was worthless. Now, Philip is witnessing already earlier in eight to the Samaritans. And now the, uh, this Ethiopian is an opportunity for Jesus to reveal to Philip that he has a mission you know, he's, he's paying attention. He's watching what's happening. You know, we meet Philip serving the widows. He's one, he's one of the seven. So now we know that he's willing to serve. He's full of humility. And he is willing to, to live out his life on mission. You know, I used to pastor in Pekin. And uh, one of the things I thought that was really important for us was to get people serving. You know, so we would... Uh, we'd always have like instant serving opportunities, you know, because people think, well, I can't teach a class and I can't do this. I can't sing or, you know, so what, you know, come and serve some food, yeah. feed the children, huh? do, do something, you know, and I'd always say, but well, just come, just come this one time. If you, just come, if you just come this one time, you know, we're going to have a dinner. You can come and serve. And so JC, she comes and she, she's a part of that or whatever. And she's like, okay, just one time now. That's all I'm, I'm going to do. You know what happens? She starts making friends. <laughs> she gets to make some friends there and they get all excited. And, uh, you know, and, and then, I, then I noticed she's not just serving meals. She's over there helping out one of her friends in the preteen class. <laughs> and she's helping her out there. And then all of a sudden, you know, this, that, that lady moved away and, and we're trying to figure out what to do. And so, you know, it's like, JC, um, what do you think about teaching the pre? I didn't mean to get in this, this, you know, you know how God is like that. He just loves to create these divine opportunities for us. That's what's happening in this story. And that's what's happening in this room right now tonight. So how do we apply this scripture uh, that we're looking at? Uh, first thing, first application is that we must love people with a God-centered, Christ-like love. If we're willing to be on mission, 
All it takes is love. You know what makes a good missionary? Loving people. Loving people. That makes a good pastor too, by the way. Uh, You're recognizing uh, beyond the barriers. You know, Philip was so willing. Uh, you, You remember Jonah? Jonah, you know, is almost the opposite of Philip. He had a bad attitude. He didn't want to be messing around with these. He didn't want to, um, he was a reluctant missionary. Sometimes we get like that, don't we? Maybe we don't want to talk to those people or we're a little nervous about different religion or different skin color or something that might uh, cause us to have a difficult relationship there. But God, God puts us in situations, divine appointments where we can be used by him. And he calls us to love people like Philip loved the Ethiopian eunuch. Another thing I noticed in the second application is that for this to happen, you have to yield daily to the Spirit's guidance. You know, walking with the Spirit daily, being sensitive to His, to his leading. It's unquestioned in this story. I mean, that eunuch, that day, he had no idea that the promise of God was about to happen in his life that day. And Philip is a man who understands. He recognized the moment. So he says, can you understand what you're reading? How can I understand unless someone guides me? He doesn't know that. He just gave like Philip a softball question, man. (laughs) He was just all ready to tell him about about Jesus. I, I I heard about this pastor who was on a plane He's tired and got him worn out, getting ready to fly home. He goes over, sits by the window, and there's this guy sitting on the aisle seat. And he's trying to doze, and this guy's got, got a book in his hand. pastor didn't even realize it, but he's reading the Bible. And he goes, <laughs> He says, hey, I'm, I'm reading John chapter 3 about Nicodemus. You know anything about the Bible? <laughs> that, that's what I mean. Is how God just brings a brings them all. I, I, one other story I heard about this other pastor. He's in Chicago, and so his wife says, "You know, it's a, it, it's Tuesday night. The trash has got to be taken out." And he had forgotten totally about it. And so it's cold. So he he wants to do it quickly. So he doesn't even put his shoes on. He's barefoot. And he goes running out in the cold to put his trash can out by by the curb. Well, just when that's happening, the guy that just moved into the neighborhood. It's bringing his trash can out. And the spirit says, you should go over there and introduce yourself to him. Oh, no. It's cold. My feet are cold. I don't want to do it. And he's probably cold, too. So uh, he tried to get away from God wouldn't let him. Went over there, met this man. He's a car dealer, and they met each other. Uh, You know, that that was about all there was that night. Do you know that for the next few weeks, every Tuesday night, they brought their trash cans out at the same time? So he'd see him all the time. Started talking to him, uh, learned about him and his wife, and ultimately led that family, the whole family, to Jesus. Just by that divine appointment, that, that's what can happen for us. That's exactly what is happening uh, in this story. You, you have to think about who is it that God wants you to speak to. Maybe he might be talking to you about a neighbor down the street or taking some cookies or, or reaching out and helping somebody, serving someone, offering some care uh, for them. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. Divine appointments. Uh, you might not even been thinking about it, but just listening and being sensitive to the Spirit. See, this whole chapter of Acts is a lesson in how God's ways are not our ways.
You won't be thinking about it. But if your heart is open, you'll feel it. You'll know it, that he's giving you this divine leading. Now, I'm not talking about hearing the voice of God. I'm just recognizing that God leads us. God nurtures us, guides us, whatever we're willing uh, to do. So there are examples all over Scripture like that. But you don't have to wait till you'll feel led to share the gospel. You can share the gospel uh, in so many different situations. And that really is kind of the third point, the last application is. Understand and explain the good news to people. Be willing to talk about uh, the good news. This guy's reading Isaiah 53, and he's like, what, what is this talking about? And Philip says, oh, I know exactly what it's talking about. It's talking about Jesus. He's the Savior. He's the good news. So be prepared to share uh, the good news. Be willing to listen for questions and listen. You know, so many people want to talk about problems or needs that they have. And if they figure out that, that you know something about that. So I would, I'll just say, these are our responses. Um, just expect that God will use you. So many believers, I think, you know, they, they feel like, well, I don't know enough. You know, I'm, I'm just not sure. I might say the wrong thing. Come on. Uh, you've been coming to church or you've been, you know, just growing in the Lord. I mean, if you've been coming here more than about two weeks, you're signed up, right? I mean, we're ready to go. I, I noticed um, my wife, she, uh, she had a retina detachment. Uh, um, Few, not too long, a few years ago now, I can't remember how long. But in the midst of that, she had seven eye surgeries. So, you know, we went through all that and her vision is, is really pretty good. God has really made a difference in that. Um, you know what I noticed? Like, I have never talked to anybody in my life about a detached retina. Never. Like, she was meeting people all the time. Like, we'd go places and i think, she didn't say a thing, but somehow detached retina surgeries is the conversation that we're, and I'm standing there like, what is happening? But see, that's God's way. When something's happened to you, when you've been through a circumstance, when you've had something going on in your life, God will use those very things to be the conversation that will lead you where you're willing to say, you know, you just won't believe what God did in my life. You know, when I was in a situation like that, oh, how he transformed my life. So you've got to have an expectation that God is willing to use you. And I know, don't, don't elbow her. You know, I'm not talking to her. I'm talking to you. God wants to use you. So expect that he would use you. Now, I always love like practical uh, ideas. Now, you, you, you have a great pastor coming. So excited about him. I think it's going to be amazing what is going to happen with Keith Schubert. You know, I, just dreams that we've talked about, about Crossbridge. But you know, one of the key pieces of the dream is you. There are people in your life that they will never meet. And I don't know who wants to get saved or who might get saved. I always say, I never know who, who God wants me to speak to, but as long as I'm aware and I'm ready, he can pick anybody he wants. 
So I have this idea about the, the Mission 555. So the Mission 555 is really simple. It's just a way of kind of getting your mind on what we're talking about tonight. So Mission 555 is, uh, the first five is five unbelievers in your life. So God, who would be five people in my life that, that, I, could, that I could focus on? So those five, they come from specific areas of your life. Like not all the same, but let's find somebody from my family that, that's an unbeliever. That I, and, and somebody from my job and from my neighborhood and from my daily activities that I'm wherever I'm going. And how about my recreation or hobbies? So you know what happens if you do that? All of a sudden your radar is up. You're, you're, you know, you're not having to search for somebody. You're just open to reach out to some people in all these different areas of your life. Now, what do you do? So you got five people in five areas of your life, and then you got five potential responses. You don't have to do them all to the same. It just gives you different perspectives. So maybe you could just pray for them. That, that'd be all right. Dangerous, but that's good. You know, you, you start praying for them, you're going to have a heart that's open for them. Or maybe you could just identify with them. Show some interest uh, in them. So this person that's an unbeliever, you're maybe praying for them, showing a little interest in what's going on in their life. You know, people love to talk about themselves. You know, people all all the time say, well, they're kind of shy. Well, they're only shy until you get on the topic that they know something about or they care about. Then they talk your ear off, right? So show interest. Pray for them. Show interest in them. Uh, You can... Uh, serve them in some way. That's a great way uh, to, to be so that you're able, you find out there's a need or something you can do or being kind uh, to somebody. You know, that will make such a difference. Uh, you, you could invite them to church. That'd be a great thing. In, invite them to come with you. Let them know why you come here and what we do here. And, uh, you know, uh, 80% of the people that come to church will come because somebody they respected and knew invited them and met them at the door. That's pretty good evangelism training right there. Uh, Just talking and maybe talk to them about Jesus. If God gives you the opportunity to talk to them about Jesus Christ. So we have this opportunity to make such a huge difference in the world around us. Thanks again for joining us for the Crossbridge Podcast. The mission of Crossbridge is to lead others into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And we'd love to partner with you on your spiritual journey. So please let us know how we can come alongside you and support you and pray for you by visiting crossbridge.church.